My guest today is the Senior Vice President of Development for Oracle Human Capital Management Cloud. He's responsible for the strategy, product management, product development, and product go-to-market functions that deliver modern HR in the cloud to global users, certainly all over the world. He joins us to discuss what you need to know about the digital transformation happening right now in the HR industry and for your business around managing people. Now, that's whether you're running a large corporation or a small business. Welcome, Chris. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, my first question I've got to ask right off the bat is, what's human capital management? Um, it's really about um, um, managing your talent in your organization. So, how to you know most effectively find, attract, you know, onboard, grow, and, and retain um, the best talent for your particular industry. So, really, we, we call it uh, human capital management, um, but it's really about uh, the talent with, within your organization. So is this, I mean, would you call this a new category? Are you guys like, I mean, because typically I would have called this like HR, right? Uh, as most people would have, but it's a little bit more than that because I want to get into some of the predictive analysis and some of the things you guys do, which I was just like, I actually wrote in my notes, wow. Okay. I want to tell you that right off the bat. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, which, uh, you know, it's, I'm, you know, I'm not easy to, to please. So I'm sure there's others that are out there, but I mean, do you, do you list this kind of like a new category? Um, you know, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, managing um, talent within your organization has, has been around for a while. I think it's evolved, and we'll, we'll talk about, you know, um, some of the things that um, uh, have pushed it to evolve, to, you know, around um, digital and, and, you know, being able to get access to much more information and being able to, to leverage that information, and, and we'll talk about that as, as we go. But um, you know, human resources is is kind of a, a core component, right? I mean, you still have to be able to to manage people, their employment record, um, you know, be able to promote them and transfer them to the right organization, and manage you know global regulations to make sure that you're in compliance with whatever the regulatory bodies um, you know require you to do with people in, in a particular country. So, you know, when you think about HR, it's, it's a hard problem and, and it's a global problem, and so you know, our software needs to support that, but. You know, the strategic side of, of what we do is um, is managing the people and, 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 and the best people in your organization. And, you know, um, it, it, we hear this a lot, and, and I say this a lot, you know, the, the organizations, the businesses, commercial or public sector that have the best people, the best talent um, in, in their particular organization are the ones that are going to do the best. So right. being able to, you know, find those people and bring them on board, <clears throat> create the right culture within the organization so they feel like they're part of something beyond just the job they do day to day. All of those things um, are part of, you know, a broader human capital management um, suite of applications. So I want to put some scope around this, Chris, a little bit, because I want to get into what motivates people and so forth. But there's some things that you guys have done over the last decade. I mean, you you looks like you've made a lot of investment in the portfolio from what I can see. And the way that things, I, there was a quote, and I'm going to read a quote that you you used. You said today that people watch, they watch a video, then they go to it. Kids today, that's what they do natively. I have a nine-year-old. 
And when he wants to figure out how to get to the next level of video game, he watches the YouTube video and then goes and does it. It's not usually from the person who necessarily made the product or the video game, but it's from somebody that's a big user in the video game. So I'm, I'm kind of curious that these things are changing. You can't see the company's data, but yet you guys can aggregate around it and do some predictive things around what they're going to experience. And that's really what you guys are doing with all this um, management in the cloud today, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, yeah, it's uh, not only is that um, a funny story, it's an absolutely true story. And I, yeah. and I think that, um, it, you know, the, I don't want to say the younger generation. I, I would say the digitally native generation, and and you know that comes in all different you know sizes and and, and ages, and, yep. and you know and and people that that are used to working in the consumer world and and doing things natively. And, and YouTube's a, a fantastic example of where you know most individuals go to learn. You know, I go there all the time. If you know if I need to you know do something around the house or you yeah. know do something you know potentially at work. So it, it, we're used to going and having access at our fingertips to information that is coming from peers that are sharing their knowledge and they want to be out there and transparent about what they know and express their expertise in a certain area. Um, and that's just one of the things that we're trying to bring to the enterprise because within the enterprise, that, that doesn't happen as much. Knowledge sharing is not something that's, that's native, but we see it all the time. Um, in, in the consumer world, and I'll give you another example of something we see, you know, all the time in consumer world is, is aggregating information to help people make better decisions. And, and usually, where we've seen it most is around buying decisions, right? So you mm -hmm. see it in any type of, you know, online store, whether it's Amazon. Amazon, or any type yeah, of, Amazon does this all here, the time. Here. Yeah, right. They're always feeding up. Yeah, they make they're feeding up examples to me before I even know that I'm thinking I want those examples. Exactly, and you're like, hey, that's what I want, right? Yeah. So. You know, we've taken the NS aggregating data. It's looking at who you are, what you know, what you've done, what you've purchased, what others like you have purchased, and those are just simple propensity to buy algorithms that have been around for a while. And we've taken those same concepts and we've applied them to people. So we we look at a person, what role they're in, how long they've been in that position, when were they last promoted. We look at their manager, we look at their performance reviews, and we look at you know 130 different pieces of information. And, and we look at trends over time, and we can start to predict their propensity to perform or even attrit the organization. And so that type of information has been around the consumer world for a while, and now we're trying to bring that to help managers better manage the talent within their organization. And, well, and, and, and that's new, and that's different, and that can be scary at times. Obviously. Well, I, without question, before we get too scared, I want to take a quick break, and then I want to come back because it can be scary, but at the same time, it, if you're on the other side of that and you're the employer, you know, in this case, you really want to know about some of these things so you can either stop it or change it, one of the two. So and we're going to come right, yeah, come right back to that. So I want to talk about my friends at Duncan because they're advocates for social movements, which is why they're very proud to be the first national brand to sell espresso beverages made exclusively from fair trade uh, certified espresso beans. I love that. That's pretty cool. Makes me very happy because I love espresso. And so anyone who listens to the show knows how much I love Dunkin' Espresso because I'm sitting here with a quad espresso right now. Can you tell? I'm like on steroids right now. I'm just, I'm pumped. I was ready, pumped. I was pumped for this Oracle discussion in the cloud. So um, Jeffrey Hazlett runs on Dunkin', America runs on Dunkin', and we run on fair trade certified Dunkin' Espresso. So, do you, hey Chris, do you drink coffee 
I absolutely do. Yeah. Yep. Every once in a while, drink maybe a Duncan, or do you go? Do you, do you go to one of the, the the four bucks place or five bucks place? No, no, no. I, I, I go to Duncan. I go, I go, I go. Sometimes I go to five bucks place. Sometimes I do it at home. But yeah, that's what I call them. I don't, I don't, I don't say it by their name because uh, I can't. But it's it's five bucks every time I walk. If I use if I use that place, it's five bucks. I go to Duncan, get a couple bucks. It's really good coffee. So anyway, there we go. So what? Well, let's get back to this because. You with this, you, you talk about propensity to buy, okay? Because we get that, okay? Yes. We all, we kind of all get that. We, we and, and we like it. Some some people would call it a little creepy sometimes, but I, to me, no. That's like having a really great waiter who knows what I like to eat, and he knows I'm coming in, and he or I like to drink, and he sets a drink down in front of me. The, he knows my propensity to buy that kind of scotch or that drink. So. Yes. So, you know, that to me is really cool. So now what you guys are using is those same kinds of learning management systems. I, that's what I would call it. That's looking at the data and, and, and can recommend training based on a person's activity or role or collaborations. But, but you can also predict when they might leave, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's, and you nailed it. And, and um, that's exactly right. It, it, it's a additional um, piece of information about an employee um, that can help a manager have the opportunity to retain that employee for a longer period of time. And that does a lot of things. I mean, that, that helps you keep your key talent. That helps you not have to worry about retraining costs if somebody that's critical to a particular project or of your business leaves. I mean, it has the, the opportunity to save costs and, and increase performance. So those are the both tangible um, benefits to looking at this data. And, and the part that I was saying is, is a little bit scary is it seems as if um, that, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at this information to, you know, find something that, you know, might not be right about the employee, but you're actually trying to help them and trying to make the business better and make the employee better um, in, in their particular role. So it, it gives yeah. them the opportunity, that, that, that the company, the manager, um, to, to find those top talent employees that, you know, might be thinking for whatever reason um, that they might want to move on or leave the organization and you have the opportunity to retain them and, and, and improve performance in your particular area. Well, and in two sides, I want to touch on this space two, two different ways because businesses will look at it two, day, two ways. One, look, you, you might want to know that they might be leaving and that's okay because they're not that good. So you want to be ready for that because who, who wants to have a void? Yep. Who wants to have an open slot? So there's got to be some savings for the company that way and understanding that, knowing it, being prepared, less likely to let customers down, right? Uh, less likely to have yep. gaps in services or uh, all the things that go with when someone just leaves you, right? Um, yep. But the other thing I, I think the, the other piece of it is even if it's a even a lower performing employee, even if it's a marginal employee, even even if it's a great employee, you, most employers don't want people to leave. But I mean, you got to retrain them, retool. You got to find somebody else. Yep. You got to do all this stuff, and it's never what it was. So you'd like to. I think most people, most companies, want to spend the time to keep them. So that's a real savings there too. Yep. Yeah, and I, and I would say, and I'll, I'll, I'll extend the um, discussion around kind of what, you know, this collection of big data and then, and then the, the uh, you know, kind of analytics um, that we can provide on top of it, you know, kind of the, the, the decisioning we can. But yeah, I mean, one of the 
you know, metrics or a couple of the metrics are propensity to attract and, you know, propensity to perform. So we can see, you know, based on who we recruited, where we recruited them from, what universities, um, you know, how long they've been in a certain position, you know, who's performing better and start to correlate, you know, can we do more of that so we can bring along, um, you know, employees and, 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 and move them into, you know, the, the next quadrant of performance or go find employees like the one that's performing. But we do these recommendations um, and, it, it, you know, these predictive models beyond just performance and attrition. I, we, we use them in our learning management systems, as, as you talked about, to, to predict or recommend, you know, what potential videos or what potential training you might need in your particular role. So we look again at all of this big data that we have in our HCM, human capital management system, and we look at, you know, what role you're at, what role you're in, how long you've been there, what your performance rating is, you know, across multiple metrics, what your competencies are. And now, based on the content, the learning content library that we have within our system, we can start to recommend training for you. We can say, hey, you know, you didn't do well in this particular skill around teamwork. You might want to take this course. Or we can look at you're trying to onboard a number of millennials, you know, younger generation in particular positions. And, you know, we happen to have a training video um, for how to work with, how to motivate, you know, the younger generation or the millennials. And so we can start again to use this big data that we have in the system and start to make recommendations in other areas to help the employee grow um, in their current role. You know, um, again, we're talking with Chris at, at Oracle. We're talking about human capital management. I, you, you mentioned big data, but I want to be I want to be clear. You can't actually see the customer's data, the individual data. You're looking at the uh, the algorithms. I mean, everything's ruled by algorithms today. But the algorithms are looking at the behaviors and the actions and the and the outcomes as a result of the data. Right. That's really what you're looking at. Absolutely. It's within the customer's particular environment mm-hmm. that these these algorithms are doing the analysis and making recommendations to um, the, the managers um, or the directors um, themselves. So it's happening within their system and, and the algorithms are looking at their data underneath their cover. The recommendations aren't coming to Oracle, they're coming to, to the customer themselves. Yeah, which is getting into this whole thing. You know, everybody always likes to say in every business, and Chris, I know that you've been through a number of businesses in your career. I looked at the PeopleSoft and various groups. By the way, an old PeopleSoft uh, customer from many years ago. Uh, back when I was at, at Sinveo, Melwell, we, we used PeopleSoft. The, but, um, and there, but everybody always says, hey, we're so much different. We're different, we're different. Well, math has proven us that we're not so unique <laughs> very quickly uh, with all this stuff. What, has the industry been slow to adapt to this digital transformation of moving this particular piece into the cloud? Yeah, you know, I think um, yeah, I, I, I think that um, you know maybe two three years ago, um, the HR systems were moving relatively slowly to the cloud. I think it really started, uh, you know, let's say in, in the mid enterprise, and and that's something you know mid market maybe you know twenty five hundred employees, um, you know, to to fifteen thousand employee companies, um, maybe even you know a little bit less, but. Um, most of those businesses have been moving, um, you know, quite quickly to the, to the mm-hmm. cloud. In fact, I mean, it makes complete business sense. They lower their costs. They, you know, they don't need to manage their systems. They're, you know, they're, they, they get new technology, you know, happens yeah. frequently. Yeah, a lot they faster. Track, they don't have you know, to sit around and wait for firmware to be developed. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, I, I think, you know, where we're, um, there's been some slower adoptions is in, you know, the, the larger multinational organizations. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it is, I mean, I worry about the regulatory environments from country to country. You know, there's there's concerns around data residency, and you know, there's 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 some concerns that go beyond the HR system itself that has um, you know slowed down maybe some adoption there. But you know, we're we're seeing you know a lot more adoption um, in in larger companies and financial services, which you know obviously are under you know a lot of regulatory scrutiny um, move. And you know, we're seeing healthcare companies move, and you know, they have requirements around things like HIPAA and, and, and making sure that you know they they um, have very secure um, you know components, even in, even if they're moving it to a cloud environment. So I think that trend, that transformation or that transition to um, moving to, to digital is is happening more rapidly today across all sizes of organizations than it has in the last few years. Yeah. Well, let me take a, another break. I want to come back to that point because I think it's kind of an interesting one. But I want to talk about Liberty Tax. It's great to have the good folks at Liberty Tax on board with all business. Liberty's the fastest growing retail tax preparation firm ever ever. They've got over 4,000 offices across North America. You know who they are. They're out waving in the streets all the time. You see them there. I love those guys. They're just out there hustling. And it's a great seasonal franchise opportunity as well. I know a number of people who've been listening to this show for the last year have been calling up Liberty and, and getting into the business. Whether you want a full franchise or you just want to do it during the season, you can do that. So it's another service to your business or just a great tax prep service all the way. Hey, don't forget the folks at Liberty. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You know, Chris, you, you mentioned it's, I think it's kind of interesting that this is the area where we've seen smaller companies go first because typically you see the larger companies go first. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. I mean, in, in most transformations, you think about client server, yeah. you know, you think about I mean, it was big companies that went first, but but here, um, the economics makes so much sense for small companies, right? Yeah. They they don't have to manage the infrastructure, they don't have to manage the operating system, they don't have to manage the database, but they get what all the big companies, the yeah. best technology, the best software that they never had access to before. They get that, and they don't have to worry about managing the infrastructure and the hardware and all those things. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. And so, you know, to me, any mid-sized business that doesn't go 100% cloud is just making a, you know, a, a really, a really big mistake. It's just so economically, you know, right for them, as well as you know, they get access to the the. the Top tier software that you know in, in the past they just didn't have the, the the ability to take advantage of. So as they grow, they don't have to replatform. They don't have to worry about you know those additional costs as, as those com- you know as the mid-sized companies become large, they're on a platform that can grow with them. And so we hear that a lot. Um, yeah, and this is one of the times that you know the mid enterprise is is really moving faster. Um, than large large businesses. There's a good example. Sometimes it's it's better to be smaller where you you have an advantage over the big boys and girls. So that's a, then this is one of them. Digital allows you to do that, and uh, that's one of the big yep. things about the cloud. The cloud's level in the earth, so to speak. And that let me ask you about when you're speaking with HR leaders about digitals. You know, digital. What do you tell them? And then what are what would be like your three key tips for implementing a digital strategy? Yeah, I mean, you know, what I tell them is, 
um, you know, we, we talk about talent. I mean, you know, in, in every business, they want to they want to manage their talent as effectively as possible. And you know, what it means to go digital, it, it starts with finding the right talent. So so now, you know, we can create personalized recruiting sites um, that look and and are branded like your company. So the experience that you want, you know, new candidates to come in and experience is is exactly what. Um, you know, you, you want to get them excited about, and we can go find them um, and, and bring them on board and grow them. So we we had that talent conversation, and, and that resonates very, very well. How we find them, how we retain them, how we grow them, you know, how we make, you know, create a culture where they're working together, they're teaming together, and, and HR leaders that can can talk about that to the rest of the business and say, look, you know, these systems help us you know, find and build and, and, and retain the best people. Um, and, and that resonates throughout the organization. Um, the other the other piece that, that we hear a lot is, you know, um, employee engagement. So a lot of organizations are trying to um, engage with their employees, you know, a lot more. And and, and we've, we've done things. We've rolled out new capabilities. We, we call them work-life applications. And we've rolled out new capabilities to help HR brings something new um, to the business beyond just, you know, payroll and HR um, brings some new things in, in like wellness or, or like, um, you know, we have a new volunteering application so you can, you know, um, volunteer together as a team and give back to the community. So HR can not only help on that talent side of the equation, but also bring in these new type of employee engagement capabilities that, you know, traditional HR systems of the past just didn't think about or didn't incorporate into their systems. So it's, it's, a, it's a very different process. Now, on the implementation side, which is what you asked, the tips that I, that, um, you know, I give first is really think about a transformation, right? Um, you know, some of the early moves to, you know, like a, a cloud or, you know, transforming um, from an on-premise to, to, a, to, to a cloud environment, it was what I would call a lifted shift, meaning we want to do everything we did over here on premise, but we just want to do it in the cloud and we want, you know, we don't want to have to worry about upgrades and, and customizations. And, you know, that's a mistake. Think about how you can simplify your process. Take advantage of the new capabilities that we, the digital capabilities that we brought on board. Be open minded to some of those new concepts. So really think about a transformation and, and how you can transform your business. Second is, I always say, this can't be an HR or IT project alone. Um, it has to be HR and IT together, as well as you have to have sponsors within the business. This is this is something that impacts literally every single employee and manager in the in the company, um, and you have to have the right sponsorship, um, the right leaders to make the hard decisions, to standardize processes, simplify things, and invest. Um, in the key areas that are going to make your business better, you know, key areas around um, performance or learning or training or recruiting, whatever is key to your industry. So, so that's kind of the second, the second component is, you know, it's, it's a business transformation more than just an HR transformation. And then the third, you know, third component is, you know, you have to have a, a three kind of pronged partnership. Um, you know, these cloud implementations are very different than, than um, any on-premise implementation. And you have to partner well with ESI, um, the system integrator. Everybody needs a, a system integrator, and we have great ones. You have to partner well with the vendor, um, and, and that's Oracle, and, and as well as, you know, um, and obviously the customer is part of that. And that triangle, that, that three 
kind of together is what makes the most successful implementations, partnering to make sure that not only the implementation is successful, but it's successful year one, year two, and, and ongoing. And, and we've done things and put processes and people in place to make sure that ongoing relationship with, with Oracle um, you know, continues after um, a successful go-live. That's some good advice. Let me take a quick, another quick break, and I want to come back and talk to you about the difference between, oh, baby boomers and, say, millennials, because there's, there's always an open topic. You know, I want to talk about my friends at SaneBox, because the number one complaint that business executives, everyone that I talk to in the C-suite, it's always about too much email, and I had this problem for years until I found SaneBox. It is my secret weapon, folks. I love this company. I went out and found this company and said, look, you got to come on my show. I want you on the show because I just love this product so doggone much. I'll be your evangelist. And I've been evangelist because I love these guys. It's my secret weapon, SaneBox. Go to www.sanebox, S-A-N-E box, S-A-N-E box.com forward slash Hazlet. My name, and they'll give you a couple free weeks. It makes you sort your email, frees up hours and hours and hours, tells me how I'm doing against everybody else, and it, it's my secret weapon. I'm able to tag people with one day, two day, three hours, four hours, five hours, one month, and if they don't get back to me, it pops back in my inbox. It learns my emails and gets rid of the ones that I don't want to read or do or look at because I put them in a black hole or I put them in later or I put them in never see me again in my entire lifetime. So there you go, SaneBox. Go there and check it out. It is awesome. So, Chris, I want to get back to this um, um, millennials versus uh, baby boomers because is there really tension between the, the workforce, between the baby boomers, what we typically now have in the aging workforce and the upcoming millennials? And if so, what are what are some of those? Yeah, I, I'd like to stay out of the, um, not stay out, but not classify um, by kind of age groups. I, I, I kind of put it in two, two buckets. I, I put... Um, I talk about digital natives. You know, I like that. Uh, yeah, I got to interrupt you. The, re- the reason, I, the reason I li- I'm interrupting you is because I consider, I tell people I'm a millennial, even though I was born back in 1960 yeah. at the end of the baby boomer, <clears throat> because I, I, I operate like a, a millennial. I do everything like that. I buy the newest stuff. I use the stuff, you know, uh, and I like I, the way you're describing it. I, I, yeah, it is. I mean, digital natives, um, and then, you know, I, I often say kind of digital immigrants, which I, I think everybody <laughs> is digital today. Whether cool. you want to, I mean, I, I have I, my um, my parents who are get, getting getting up there. I mean, you know, she's texting all the time. She's on Facebook. I mean, they're they're, they're they know how to leverage technology for what they want to use. So, um, so the way I look at it is, you know, I, I think the digital natives, um, um, you know, folks that grew, or, you know, the, the I will say the younger generation, but people that have grown up with technology or really adapted to it in all aspects of their life. Or um, collaborative, they're they're more transparent with information. The posts on Twitter or Facebook or um, you 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 name you name the social um, channel. Um, they're they're very open. They're used to it. They're transparent. They talk about you know what's happening in their life. They 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 want to post what they know and what they don't know. They're not afraid to ask for help or or give recommendations. And I and I think those digital natives, um, you know really um, change the culture within organizations, mm-hmm. you know, they, with, with their openness and their ability to share and, and, and share across boundaries and, and, and collaborate much more 
um, than I would say, you know, digital immigrants who, you know, aren't, aren't traditionally used to that, that, you know, very open collaborative environment. So I think that that's probably the biggest, you know, um, the biggest difference is the level of openness and transparency when it comes to doing things in an online way, whether it's outside of the office office and and the tools and the solutions that we provide in our human capital management suite provides the ability for the same level of collaboration the same level of communication the same level of feedback just like you give feedback in in facebook and you know give thumbs up or you know um, you post a tweet, those same tools and capabilities are available that we provided them as part of our software package. Some are used to it, they're very open, they naturally take to it. And some that, you know, it, it, it takes time for them to feel comfortable to give a thumbs up or give a kudos to somebody or give some, some leave some sort of feedback. But that's how things are moving. And I think, I think it's, it's the, the more that these solutions are out there, the more the technology is out there, I think the more not only the digital natives who are already comfortable, but the digital immigrants get more comfortable with that openness and that sharing and see the value and the benefit from doing it. Yeah, I love the way you put that, not around the age groups, but about the behavior patterns, you know, they, because I'm a, I would consider myself a digital, digital native, although there's some things I'm digital immigrant, like in, in getting help or service, I'm, I'm like one of those people, maybe it's because I used to be in the C-suite where I just had so many people doing it for me and, and still own the business and I have a lot of people do it for me, but I don't go look at things on how to do things or how to fix it. I just give it to somebody else to do. And, and you know, where, and you nailed it. And yeah, I don't. You know, you nailed it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a either or. Uh-huh. I think in some areas you're a digital native, and in, in some areas you, you may be, a, a, you know, a digital immigrant. I mean, I can tell you, you know, I mean, I do have a nine year old. He's still he's still nine, and I mean, you know, he, he they need to actually be pulled out of their shell. If he never had to talk to anybody, he did everything online. Yeah. He'd be perfectly happy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think the <laughs> natives can grow, can learn from immigrants, and, and vice versa. So I think I think there's a good opportunity to share and bring both. Um, you know, there's benefits for doing both. You know, sometimes it's better to pick up a phone and call somebody and take care of business that way. But a lot of times, you know, things can can be done online, and, and I think more and more that's that's where things that's where things are going, and they're more comfortable. To be honest, the digital age are more comfortable with some of the recommendations that they see. Right? I mean, they're used to, you know, getting you know what what would be considered creepy for some, you know, having an ad follow you around the internet because you looked at a shirt on you know on, yeah. on the Macy's site, right. um, and then it starts recommending pants and shirt, you know, shoes and all those things. Digital natives are like, hey, that's great. Those shoes look fine. Digital immigrants are like, this is creepy. It's on my phone now, right? So I, I just think, you know, the more they get used to it in the consumer world, the easier it is for them to to get used to it in, in the uh, business world. Well, I want to tell you, you tell your son he motivated me. And this is how he motivated me. Because when I, I was ah. reading back on the, 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 the briefing materials, I read that about the quote. And I got to tell you, for I, I have a ranch out in South Dakota, and I keep breaking stuff all the time that I pull behind my trucks and stuff. And I was been waiting and waiting for some guy to come out with a welding machine and to come weld the stuff. And then finally I said, why can't I weld? I said, but I don't know how. And so I, but I remember reading this thing about your nine-year-old, so I went on YouTube and looked it up. So now I've already ordered the equipment, and I'm going to start welding. Now, now I'm going to be careful with it because, you know, I can really hurt myself. <laughs> but... But there was yeah. an example, you know, of 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 I, I took a nine year old's advice. I went, gosh, he could do that with a game. I bet you I could learn to weld. And I, I I went and found there's hundreds of how to weld welding videos. There you go. I might not be. Well, it might you not, know, I mean, yeah. I, 
No, that's great. That's that's a great example. I'll, I'll give you one more. Not that I, you know, the viewers don't want to hear about my kid, but I will give no, you. That's cool. The younger generation, yeah. yeah, the younger generation, they think differently. His aspirations, you know, as a kid, he was doctor, lawyer, you know, business person, whatever, you know, astronaut, whatever, athlete. So those are those are the aspirations, career aspirations. Um, you know, the number one thing on my my nine year old's list to be is um, have a YouTube channel with over a million subscribers. That's that's his number one job aspiration. So it, it's just a different world. Well, tell him if he starts that how to thing, I'll be his first guy. You know, we can do that. <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs> we can do that. Well, perfect. you know, with that, let me, let me get this last one in before we have to go. But I, you know, it's the way we're working is is changing. And what is Oracle's relationship with people? You know, employees who are working from home, and because it's it's starting to become a more and more significant part of the workforce, and how is that going to change moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I think we've we've dealt with employees um, that have worked at home for a long period of time. I don't think it changes how we interact with them. I think you know we we you know as part of what we deliver, as part of the tools, the software that we deliver. Um, you know, workplace location doesn't make a difference. Um, how, how you know how you navigate, how you interact, you know how you track things, how you work with your manager. All, all of those capabilities are available anywhere you're at on the planet. Um, and, and whether you're at your home or you're on a plane or you're in a car or you're in a train, I mean, you, you can still get business done with the software that we provide. I, I think the big change that is coming um, is as you know, some of and this, this is something that. You know, we're, we're working through answers to, I think it's more how we deal with more automation in the workforce, right? People talk about the robots are coming and those mm-hmm. things. I, I think that whole automation side and, and lower level tasks starting to go away as automation and machine learning and AI gets more intelligent and can, and can take on, you know, more and more of those day-to-day activities. And we're seeing that. We're building some of that into our software, but customers are also starting to ask you know, ask for that. Do I really need to have someone that's, you know, doing this process or, or doing this transfer or approving this? Is this something that can be further automated? So I think we need to think about how we, you know, manage for that change um, and how we manage for, for, for those types of new transitions and the next level of automation, which is, you know, around AI and machine learning. And I think that's, you know, maybe the topic for our next conversation. Uh, it's going to, that's going to dominate a lot of conversation over the next year for sure. I know that's uh, it's. Yep. I've got a number of topics that I want to get into on chatbots and a whole bunch of other things. But that's yep. an, another topic and, and another way to bring you back. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure. I, I thank you so much. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I really enjoyed that conversation. I didn't think I, you know, got to tell you, I got to tell you, Oracle, I'm thinking, oh, big company, 30-some millions, billions of dollars. I think it's like $37 billion. You know, what's it got to do with all the people that, you know, are out there? But it was really interesting conversation. I don't mean to, to be derogatory in any way, shape, or form. It just, I thought, man... Uh, how are we going to get to something that's, that's beyond just the commercials and uh, discussing? And I got to tell you, what I really liked was the discussion around your biggest asset being talent. We always talk about that with most business leaders managing people, but I like the term human capital. Human capital, uh, not not really HR, but human capital. It's your biggest asset and always will be is the people that work for you and taking care of it and, and giving it. And it's usually the last thing we spend enough time on. And here is Oracle talking about 
doing a lot more of it up front and quickly and better and cheaper and everything else uh, for you. So I really actually did enjoy that conversation. So made me think a lot. So that was good. And uh, speaking of thinking, think about who you can recommend this to. Please, please, please tell other friends about the show. It's all business right here on Play.it, CBS, iTunes, um, anywhere you got an Android phone, you can go and get uh, All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.